Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today we're joined by Andrea Stenberg. Andrea is a LinkedIn and Facebook marketing coach. She can teach people what they need to know about how to market themselves online and inspire them to take action. She demystifies social media marketing for the baby boomer audience by speaking in non-technical terms and giving practical advice. Andrea, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. So before we jump into more about your business, I would love it if you would tell us just a little bit more about you and maybe some of the things you like to do when you're not busy working. Well, I'm actually right now in a major transition in my personal life because my son just went away to university for the first time. So I'm experiencing the empty nester syndrome and still getting used to it. So that's... uh that's interesting. I keep expecting him to wander into the room or something, and then I forget. I'm like, oh, he's not here. Oh, goodness. Is he far away at school? Did he? Um, not too far. It's about two-hour drive, and so, in fact, I'm going to be going to pick him up tomorrow because he wants to come home and see his girlfriend, not his mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So, besides your now adult child, what else keeps you busy these days? Well, I live in um, a small, small city and we're surrounded by beautiful countryside. So it's, you know, in the summertime, go to the beach in the winter, um, do some uh, cross country skiing. I finally got myself a pair of snowshoes, but I haven't used them yet. So this winter might be the year. Oh, um, nice. And I'm a huge baseball fan. My husband is a baseball widower, and I go and watch baseball with my parents um, <laughs> most nights when the Jays are playing. Oh, nice. Well, and we're going to go ahead and hop into more about your business. Everybody loves to be inspired by people's journey. So the first part of the conversation, we're really going to focus on your business journey. And I'd love to start out with how long have you been coaching and what really led you to get into it in the first place? Well, I kind of got dragged kicking and screaming into coaching. Uh, my parents are both retired teachers, and I kind of had this idea that I was going to do anything but what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And so when I started my business about, I guess it must be about 12 years now, uh, I was doing, I was a marketing consultant and copywriter. I wasn't doing any coaching. I wasn't doing any training. Uh, and, but I kept getting these opportunities to, to be a, a be a teacher or be a, a mentor or be a coach. And I kept saying no. And I kept saying no, but the universe kept throwing them at me. And finally, one day I went back and looked at my original business plan that I created. And I looked at my mission statement and my mission statement said to I wanted to use my writing and speaking skills to motivate, inspire and teach people. And I looked at that and I just went, duh. <laughs> you know, I knew deep down this is what I wanted to do and this is what I was meant to do, but I was resisting it because I had this idea in my head that my business was supposed to be something else. And so once I looked at that and realized, all right, deep down in my gut, I knew this is what I was supposed to be. That's that's part of how I started transitioning from doing 
doing just straight consulting to doing more coaching and training and mentoring. And, um, and so it, you know, it wasn't an overnight thing, but it, it's sort of a gradual transition. And, you know, it really is where I was meant to be. <laughs> well, one of the things that I read in the little intro was that you work with baby boomers. So is this your primary client that you work with? Uh, yes. Uh, as part of the process of when, you know, making this transition is I was going around marketing myself, going to networking meetings and meeting people. And I kept meeting people who were starting a business later in life. And these were amazing business people who had, you know, decades of work experience and knowledge. And they had really interesting businesses, but I found a lot of them were really struggling because marketing was something that just scared the pants off them. And I love marketing because, you know, that that's where I started off as a marketing consultant. And so it just seemed like a natural fit. I, I understood where they were coming from. And, you know, if I'm going to coach people, I'd like to coach people who really want to succeed. They've got the business skills. They just need that little something to uh, get them over the top. And so that's that's how I started focusing on baby boomer entrepreneurs. So transitioning from already being in marketing and copywriting to sort of just taking that into a slightly different area and focusing, like you said, maybe less on consulting and more on coaching individuals. Do you think that you had the same sort of ups and downs that most entrepreneurs have when they're getting started? Or do you feel like that sort of gave you an edge and made things a little easier? No, I think I did have the same ups and downs because, you know, it's really easy to look at somebody else's business and be able to be, you know, clear-sighted and see where the gaps are or see what they're missing and be able to give them advice. But it's really hard to do it, to, you know, look in the mirror and, and do it to yourself. Uh, and so I, I do think that I've, I make a lot of the same mistakes I've made, you know, I've made and I'm still making mistakes that other business owners make because it's hard to be objective about yourself. Mm. And, you know, that's why even though I'm a marketing consultant, I think it's important for me to have a coach because I need somebody to steer me in the right direction, even though, you know, I may know what the right marketing things are to do. I don't always, I'm able to see you know, how that relates to my business. Mm -hmm. So what would you say would be like maybe a disappointment or just a low point that you experienced while you were getting your coaching business going? Uh, well, one of the things is early on, like a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, when you, you want, you don't want to say no to anybody, like somebody comes along and you'll like, you'll stand on your head and, you know, run naked through the streets if that's what it takes <laughs> to, to get them as a client. And I had, I had this one client and there was that little voice in the back of my head saying, Andrea, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. But I didn't listen to that little voice and I, I went ahead and I made every mistake that you can make with a client. I let them talk me down in price. Uh, we didn't have a written contract and I didn't set up clear boundaries with him and it turned out to be a real mess. This guy kind of took over my life for a while. He ended up, um, eventually he ended up firing me. I should, when I started thing, seeing that things were going wrong, I should have said, you know what? We're not a good fit. Let's part ways. But I, I kept trying to make him happy and there wasn't anything I, I could have done to make him happy. And he ended up taking over my life. There was about three months where I did nothing but 
try to figure out how to deal with him. And, you know, it was, it was a real lesson to me to trust that little voice in the, in the back of your mm-hmm. head. And when some, you know, somebody says danger, <laughs> run away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think we've all been there at some point in our lives where we wish we had run instead of staying. So, so some of the things that, that you recognize then, you know, in hindsight, like setting the boundaries and having a contract and doing these things that a lot of times maybe new coaches don't really think about doing. What did you, were you able to like implement changes in your business after that first person so that, that you structured things differently and were able to, to move into those next clients, like feeling better about it? Uh, yeah. I mean, sort of. It seems like as as each year goes by, I refine it a little bit more and get a little uh, more confident, a little a little more you know a, li- a little more specific, a little clearer about about how things work. I'm a little more confident about talking about money with clients, mm-hmm. where in the beginning it was harder for me. Right. So so yeah, it, it, it's a process, but um, I I found having you know having systems, having a checklist, having forms so that. Each time I have a new client, I don't have to, you know, make up a new proposal or a new contract. I've got a form and we can just fill it out. It just makes, makes it all easier because it's not, I'm not having to feel like I'm making it up as I go along. It's like, oh, yes, I have a process. Right. Well, I think that's really, it's really good advice because you don't have to have everything perfect to get started. And I think a lot of people will sort of hit that wall and say, I really need to make everything 100% before I do X, Y, or Z. You don't have to do that. And then you don't have to, you know, like you said, you have one bad experience. You don't have to then all of a sudden be perfect after that, but you can just evolve and every single client, you're going to learn a little something new and put something else into practice. So you're just getting better and better each time. So I think that's really great advice for people. And, you know, it's not like back before, you know, before computers, if you printed off forms, you know, you had to print off 500 forms. Now you do it on the computer, you print off one. And then the next time you think, oh, you know what, I should have added this. Mm-hmm. You can do it really easily. So it's... um you know, it's very easy to make changes as you go along so much easier than than it would have been, you know, 20 years ago, even. So one of the things that you said with this particular client was that you allowed yourself to be talked down in price. So let's talk about that a little bit, because that's, that's something that I'm, I think a lot of coaches kind of have stuff come up around, though I would like to, I don't know, unpack that a little bit and just talk about, you know, setting prices and then sticking to your price once you get into that conversation with someone. Well, one of the things that I've learned both in my own business and in helping other people with their businesses is, you know, the people who value you aren't going to balk at price. They're, you know, if, you know, they're going to go, yes, you're worth it. And they're, they're going to pay it and they're going to get, you know, follow your, follow your advice, follow your suggestions, work with you, be enthusiastic. Uh, the people who argue about price and nickel and dime, it's, they're always, there's always going to be something with them. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. always, they're going to be a problem. They're going to want more and more, or they're not going to listen to you. And then they're going to be upset because they didn't get the results. And it, I've found with people who will argue with you on price, it's just not worth it because 
you really should double the price for those people because it's going to be worse than 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 anybody else. And so I'm I don't you know I don't always stick to that, but this, mm-hmm. that's something I'm trying to work towards. Is you know this is my price, and you know that's your decision whether or not to take it. Right. So if you go into a conversation with someone and they balk at the price, do you have different offerings that you can then present someone with something that's that's a better price, but it may not be as much access to you? Or how do you how do you handle that? Uh, yes, that that is um, something that I've I've evolved over time is to be able to say, OK, if this isn't affordable to you. This is the other option. One of the things that I'm doing more and more of now is group coaching. So if somebody doesn't want to do the one-on-one, they can't, you know, they, they feel like they can't afford it or it's for whatever reason, you know, the group coaching might be more affordable to them, g- gives them, you know, a lot of the same material, but the, like you said, they don't have the same amount of access to me. So that's, mm-hmm. that's an option. Um, and it's it's made it easier for me to have those conversations because if so, you know if somebody is blocking at at my price they can they have the other option and I can present it to them and then it's up to them to decide I don't have to feel like I have to um you know try to sell to them right right because once you once you make that second offer then it's sort of like you don't feel bad about saying well you've got two options <laughs> you know you don't have to you know you don't feel like you have to just keep going and keep going you've made them you know another there's another option for them so i think that's that's true that that then sort of kind of gives you that confidence to say well here's my premium product and then here's something that's you know a little bit less if you feel like that fits your budget better and then you can sort of step away and say okay now it's up to you to make that choice of do you really want to work with me or not yeah and one of the things that was really hard for me to learn was to be able you know say make make the presentation this is what this is what my uh my my cost is this is what the program is and then to shut up and let them make the decision or ask the questions rather than try to keep talking and try to justify it It, it's it's taken me a while to you know this is this is what i'm worth and then quiet that's really good advice because i know that i don't know if that's maybe it's maybe a psychological thing but i know that i do that if there's some silence i just start yapping away just to fill it up and like you said once you present those those options you need to kind of just sit back and and let them make the next move instead of rushing in to justify and to before you know it you will talk yourself into giving out a lower price yeah and it's it's hard to do (laughs) and you know i don't always succeed at it but that is certainly when i go into those conversations that's what i'm i'm trying to remind myself to do is to say it and then be quiet Right. So let's talk a little bit about gaining momentum. So when you were first getting your coaching business started, you know, and and people are always putting in tons of action at the beginning and really doing a lot of work and, and maybe the clients are coming in a little bit slower. But then over time, you start to hit that momentum and you get your stride and you feel like, okay, this business is really going. It's really getting started. Can you talk to us about maybe what that tipping point was for you that really gave you momentum? Uh, well, I think... What really started giving me momentum is early on, right when I was making the switch, I started blogging. And when I first started blogging, I didn't really know, like, 
you know, that I was going to be a social media marketing coach. And so I kind of had topics all, you know, whatever topic interested me that had to do with business I wrote about. But mm-hmm. as I got more focused in in who I was going to serve and who I was going to be working with and what, what I was bringing to the table, my writing got more focused. And then, you know, I started being able to use you know, sort of my blog as the focal point, but using like, say, Pinterest and Facebook and LinkedIn. And, it, you know, start, I started ranking on certain keywords and started having people come to me. So it wasn't just, you know, me going out and trying to drag people in, but there were people, uh, you know, coming to me. I got asked to speak at some conferences, some smaller ones that were local and some mm-hmm. bigger ones. And, um, you know, that's that's really when I started feeling like, like I was getting momentum when, you know, when people are coming to me and people think, Oh, I hear, I see you everywhere. And, and that's, you know, that, that, that was a really good feeling for me that, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm not, I'm not having to work quite so hard to have, you know, get my name out there and get people uh, to come and, and talk to me and, and, and whatnot. But when they started coming to me, having seen me, you know, speak in an event or, or seen a, a blog post or seen something on one of the social networks, that's, that's really when it felt like the ball was really starting to roll. So let's talk a little bit about niching down. You said something just a little bit ago about, you know, you weren't really sure where you were going to take that focus with marketing or with your business. So you were kind of just blogging on whatever piqued your interest. So how did you start to narrow it down and and end up landing on social media? It was a few things. One was as social media, you know, because I started my business before Facebook, before LinkedIn. Mm. Um, so I, I was starting to use social media to market my own business. And I was really enjoying that part of it. I really loved the social media. I really um, enjoyed working that with that way. And then and so I started writing more about it. And when I was going into my Google Analytics and looking at the traffic to my website, I was finding the posts about social media were getting the most traffic. And I was also, you know, as I was talking to people, I was finding that, you know, I'd said the baby boomer entrepreneurs were struggling with marketing and social media really was a challenge to them. And so that, that then it just clicked for me, you know, that's where the traffic was coming from. That was what I was enjoying. And these baby boomer entrepreneurs who I really enjoyed working with were really struggling with the social media. So it just seemed like a natural fit for me mm-hmm. to, to, to move there. But it, you know, again, it wasn't overnight. It was just sort of a gradual, um, certainly helped using the Google Analytics plus paying attention to what, what I enjoyed doing as well. So one thing that I like to talk to coaches about is just what the future looks like, because everybody seems to really love the idea of, you know, not being stagnant or not being still for very long. Everybody loves to create or coaches just seem to love to create. So what are you creating next in your business? Well, I'm actually just right in the middle of creating a new a new uh, program. Uh, around helping consultants and, you know, uh, coaches, baby boomer entrepreneurs get clients on Facebook. So I'm creating the content for that. I'm also creating the marketing strategy. Um, 
And that's sort of my next year or two. I want to do a lot more group programs and less of the one-on-one. So that's, mm. that's where I'm going. And, and yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you like the dynamic of the group programs or is it sort of a strategic way to, because doing one-on-ones, there's only so many hours that you can, can work with people. So is it a way to just get your message to a broader audience or is it strategic or is it a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both. I like the energy of a group, particularly when you have the group set up so people can interact with each other. Um, I find it, you know, it brings more to the table than just, just me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I enjoy, I enjoy that energy and, um, you know, and it does, it does allow me to reach more people. And, you know, particularly if there's people who are starting out, you know, sometimes they don't feel like they can afford to work with somebody one-on-one, but a, a more affordable group program can get them started and, you know, go from there. So it's, it's a bit of both. Are you generating revenue mostly then with your groups and your one-on-one clients, or have you got other streams of income that you work with as well? Uh, well, I do a lot of work locally. There's some um, org- uh, organizations that provide training to small businesses. So I've been I get hired by some of the local communities to do workshops for new new businesses. So mm-hmm. I do I do some of that in addition to the the group coaching and the one on one consulting. I like that because it you know, it gets me in the land of the three-dimensional people. I get to, you know, be <laughs> face-to-face with some people. I get to put on, you know, grown-up clothes and, and go out. So it's not a huge part of my revenue, but it's something I really love doing just because I can, you know, look people in the eye and, and you know, get instant feedback. And, and so it's it's something I'll probably never stop doing. Well, that's interesting. Um, can we talk a little bit about how would someone get into doing something like that? If somebody's a, a brand new coach and they're like, yeah, that sounds really cool. That sounds like a good way to to not be stuck behind my computer all the time. What would be like a first step for somebody wanting to explore that option? Uh, well, I I kind of got into it. There's, I'm in Canada and we have... Um, business enterprise centers in different communities and they're funded by multi levels of government. And so the, the, the local business enterprise center in my, in my town, I got to know the, the manager of that and through networking and, and talking to people and just, you know, let her know that I've got some workshops. And so that's where I got sort of my foot in the door and then continuing to network and, and let people just let people know what I had available and what I'm, I'm doing. And, you know, if I got a chance to meet somebody who was at a business enterprise center in a different community, I would, you know, let them know what I did. And often I'd get invited to, you know, send an email with some more information. Um, you know, the other thing would be, you know, chambers of commerce often bring in speakers and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so it's just, yeah, find the organizations that offer those those programs and just let them know what you have available. Right. So in the U.S., it would probably be like the Small Business Association. And I know that they generally have different groups in most of the major cities. So I think that would be a good step for coaches as well. What would you say is your favorite strategy these days for introducing brand new clients to your business? I'm going to 
venture a guess that it has something to do with social media. <laughs> yes, it's live video. And and I have to confess, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with live video because I really hate being on camera. Um, you know, I kind of look at my picture and go, oh my God, who's this old lady? <laughs> but, <laughs> but I've, you know, I've had to kind of screw up my courage. I had to learn how to do some makeup and learn how to do some lighting. But it's, it, you know, it's a really good way to give people a little taste of who you are and how you work and, uh, you know, what your personality is. Um, so, you know, whether it's Facebook Live, um, you know, there's Instagram. I haven't done as much with Instagram because my audience doesn't tend to be on Instagram quite as much, although I'm, I've been experimenting with that as well. And, um, yeah, the, li- the live video is a really great way to get in front of people uh, it's performing really well on Facebook. You get a lot more eyeballs in front of your videos than if you're doing any other kinds of posting. And then if you can drive them to your website from there, it's really fabulous way to go. So do you like to do the lives on like a set schedule? I mean, I guess let me back up because I've talked to a few people who are almost doing their lives or they're almost like promoting the lives as a and I'm using air quotes here as a show. So like almost like a Facebook show that they're trying to create. Is that, is that sort of what you're talking about where you come on at a very, you know, a set time every single week and you sort of put on a show for people? I actually haven't been doing that. I know that there are people who are doing it and are doing it successfully. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a little more um, casual about when I do my lives. Um, but I've also done peri- uh, periodically do where I'll do a week of I'll do one every day at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I'll do I'll do that and I promote those. The ones that I do live, I will, you know, usually I'll post to my Facebook saying tomorrow I'm going to do this and I'll send it to my email list. Um, but I haven't been doing like a specific show at a specific time. Um, I've I've learned that. You know, it doesn't matter what time of the day or, or week or whatever that you pick it to do an event. There's going to be a big chunk of your audience are going to say, "Oh, I really wanted to be there, but I couldn't do it." Mm, so I don't right. want to be at this stuck to the same time every week. Yeah, but that I'm trying. I'm trying to be more consistent of doing it um, each each week and and getting the content out there. The nice thing about when you do a Facebook Live is is you know, people don't have to be on live to watch it. So you can run a run an ad from from your video to get new people to see it. You can embed it on your blog to make it into a blog post. So it's you can download it and then upload it to YouTube. You can really multi-purpose, which is you know one of the best things you can do in social media is if you can create a piece of content and use it everywhere. Right, it's way better than having to create ten different pieces of content. <laughs> Exactly. Well, let's, let's dig into that a little bit because I have talked to people that are all over the spectrum on this. You know, some people say, I don't repurpose stuff. I pick two things and I do those two things really, really well. And then I have, I talked to somebody that was like, you know, I can spend an hour and I can get 30 different pieces of content and I can push that stuff out all week and I love it. Is there a better way or is it just whatever energizes you the most and that you're most excited about doing so you'll do it consistently? I think that is the key is, you know, whatever you're going to do consistently. Uh, you know, I'm on a whole lot more social networks than most people should be because I'm a social media expert. So even if it's something that my uh, my audience 
aren't using. I have to test it out just to see so that I can talk about it and give people mm-hmm. advice. Uh, you know, for, so people who are not doing social media at all, you know, start with one. If, you know, if, if you're kind of feeling overwhelmed, pick one and get really good at it. But if you've, you know, if you're comfortable doing more than one, um, you know, by all means, uh, go for it. So, you know, like if I do a blog post, I can easily get 10, 15 uh, tweets from that blog post and schedule them out over the next several weeks. And I can, you know, I can turn it into a Facebook post and a LinkedIn post, um, you know, create a Pinterest image to, to go with it. Um, so yeah, I, I do spread it out all over the place, but you know, for people who are just starting out, don't try to do everything at once because you're just going to get overwhelmed and then you won't do anything. The Facebook lives, how do you work your personal profile and not make your family mad at you, but still, you know, have like this business presence, especially with Facebook saying you get one profile? Do we, do we sort of have to make a decision? Am I going to put any business stuff on my personal profile or, or is there a way to, to balance it? Well, I do my Facebook lives from my Facebook business page. Mm. Um, however, when I started on Facebook, um, you know, there was no, there weren't the business pages. It was just your profile. And I started on Facebook with the mindset that this is for business. Now that's not mm-hmm. saying I never do anything personal and I have, you know, connections with friends um, and some family, but, and so the way I treat my personal Facebook is it's like net networking. So, you know, right. if I go to a chamber networking event and talk to people, I'm not just talking about business, you know, it's about building relationships and getting to know people. So I might talk about my son going off to university, or I might talk about a book I just read or a movie I just saw, uh, as well as talking about business. Um, my business page, it's a little more business focused with a little bit of personal for people to get a chance to get to know me a little bit. But I, I never post anything without, you know, going through that filter of, you know, would I want a client to see or hear or know this? Mm-hmm. And I, in fact, anything I post online, what I want, you know, my rule of thumb is if I wouldn't want my best client my mother, my grandmother, or my son to see or know this, then right. it doesn't go online. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The different social media platforms will have these mechanisms where you can post and it'll go identically to different places. Do you think that that makes sense to just blast that same exact content to all the different platforms? Or should we be tweaking it a little bit so that if someone is friends with us on Facebook, that they're not seeing the identical thing showing up on LinkedIn or the identical thing on Google Plus? I don't think you necessarily want to be posting everything that you post identical on every platform because there's a different style on LinkedIn than there is on Facebook. But I don't think you really need to worry a lot about, you know, somebody who sees you on Facebook seeing the exact same post on LinkedIn because, you know, like, for example, on Facebook, the average person has, I think it's 120 Facebook friends, plus they've liked about 100 business pages. So most people don't see everything that you post, even if they're, you know, even if they're very interested in you, they're not going to see everything you post. And likewise on LinkedIn, they're not going to see everything you post. So the likelihood of somebody seeing 
you know, the exact same post on every social network that you post to and actually being aware that they've, they've seen the exact same one is, is fairly slim. Right. Uh, and, you know, the other thing that you can do is, you know, mix it up. So maybe you post, you know, on Facebook today, it goes to LinkedIn next Friday and it goes to Google Plus this Sunday after that, you know, so that if, so, you know, sometimes people are, I'm on my social media, I'm going to do it now and mm-hmm. they'll do all of them at once. But if you spread it out over a week or two weeks, the, the chances of somebody seeing it and realizing that they've seen it before are very slim. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that, where you said, you know, a post here on one day and then maybe on this one on another day. What is a, the frequency that people should be posting stuff out at? I mean, I see some people that seem to post every single day, multiple times a day all over the place. And then I also see some people that, you know, I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks on Facebook and all of a sudden something will pop up and it's just like they don't, they're not there all the time. So is there a better way? Should we be more prolific in our posting or should we just post just what's really good? Um, more is not necessarily better, but you don't want to, you don't want to disappear. So you, the key is to be consistent and then it's also to test because, you know, what works for my business may not work for your business, may not work for somebody else's business, depending on who, who your audience is. Mm. So, you know, for example, Facebook, if you have, you know, your, your Facebook business page, you can go in on insights and you can see which posts did better, which you can see what times of the day your audience is online. And so, you know, you can try and say, okay, I'm going to post three times a day for a week. And then the next week, I'm going to, you know, post every second day, just once a day. And mm-hmm. you can try that over a period of time and see which ones do better. Um, but if you're going to, if you're going to do that, you've, you've got to then decide, okay, so if you find the three times a day works really well, then you've got to really commit to it. <laughs> right. So, so, um, you know, be aware of your time commitments and your interest in doing the social media. But it's really about testing and tracking and see what works. Um, you know, for example, Twitter is fairly instant. I mean, they've started doing things where they show you posts from the previous days. But for the most part, it's like if you post now, you know, if somebody logs in three days from now, they're not likely to see what you just posted. So right. Twitter, you can post many, many times a day and you can post the same content repeatedly as long as it's not all at once. So I might mm-hmm. post, you know, similar things, but spread it out over the course of two months. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, like each blog post, might, you know, I might be po- promoting blog posts from a month ago this week, but I'm also promoting new, new content as well. But Facebook, right. I tend not to, to post that often, probably rarely, do I post more than twice a day? And it's usually once a day and, and not always every day. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So it sounds like you really just need to go back to that first thing that we said, which was pick something and really get comfortable with that. And then bring in some of these other things that you've been talking about, which is just to test. Pick one thing, pick Facebook, pick LinkedIn, whatever you want to get started, be consistent, and then start to see what works 
And then when you're nice and comfortable with that, bring something else on. And otherwise, I, I feel like, I don't know, just talking about it all kind of makes me feel a little bit overwhelmed. So I think if you actually tried to figure every single platform out all at once and be everywhere all at once, it, it could get to the point where you just threw your hands up and said, I'm, I'm not even going to bother. I'm not going to do any of it. I'm a social media marketing expert, and I'm not doing everything. So if I'm not doing everything, you don't have to do everything. It's really not. <laughs> But it's it, you know it's really pick one or two things and and get good at them. Right. We look out there and see some people that probably have a big team that helps them out, but we see some people that really appear to be everywhere. And then you start to hold yourself up and say, okay, I have to do all of this stuff also if I'm going to find this success. So I think that people can get a little bit psyched out by seeing people and it looks like they are on every platform and they are doing everything. Yeah. And, and when you're, a, you know, just starting out and you're a solopreneur and you don't have, you don't have a help, you just, you can't do it. And, you know, the truth, truth is, is if, if you were starting out and you were suddenly able to, you know, we waved a magic wand and made you able to post everywhere, like, would you be able to handle the the business if right. you're just starting out? You probably couldn't. So it's probably a good thing that you can't do it all at once. Yeah. Well, that's a good point, too. If we if if we could get all that business that all of those social platforms could bring us all at once, we, we wouldn't be able to do that either. So <laughs> so knowing what you know now about building up a successful coaching business, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to a brand new coach? What would be something that someone should really focus on first if they want to get a good foundation for a strong business? I I think it's really about figuring out what your your niche market is and getting clear about that. It's so much easier to market when you have a specific niche than if you're just trying to market to everybody. Um and it's also, you know, good idea um early on when I was making this transition, I was kind of struggling with my own marketing. And then I talked to my coach and I realized that my problem was I actually had two different target markets I was looking at and only mm. I didn't recognize them as two different. I thought it was one, but they were actually two very different target markets and one of them that I liked working with and one that I didn't. And so it was helpful to go, oh, okay, well, once I got rid of the one that I didn't want to be working with, then all of a sudden it was a lot easier because I knew who I was talking to and I was excited to be speaking to those people and wanting to bring them on board. So it's really about getting clear about your niche and recognizing that okay, if you make a mistake or it's not quite the right niche, it's not like you're permanently married to that niche. If it doesn't work out, you can change. You know, my, my business has morphed a lot over the last 12 years mm. and it's, that's okay. That's kind of part of the course and you know but it's it's so much easier to market when you you have a very clear specific niche and people can tell okay yes this this person is speaking about my problems and my you know my life and they know what they know what I'm going through i can see how they can help me yeah, that's really good advice. Well, Andrea, this has been so good. And I've learned so much about social media in this last 40 minutes. I would love it if we could finish up now with the final five rapid fire questions. Okay. 
So what is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? Uh, I think it's just persistence is being able to, you know, pick myself back up and, and go at it again if something doesn't work perfectly the, the first time and to just keep keep going forward. You know, business isn't always easy, but persistence is the thing that's kept me going. What's one quality that you feel every successful coach needs to spend some time developing? I th- I think it's, you know, being able to tell tell your story um, effectively. So whether you're doing it, you know, the Facebook Live like I was talking about or doing it on your blog or whether you're talking one-on-one, being able to to articulate, you know, who you are and why it is you do what you do so that people can kind of connect with you. Recommend one book that's had a big impact either on your business or on your life. Um, I, I've got this huge stack on my desk, but the one that I keep <laughs> going back to is The Secrets of Six-Figure Women by Barbara Stanny. Um, it's, I, I find it very inspirational and motivational, and um, I usually, I think I read it about once a year. Give us one online resource that you think coaches would love and that you couldn't do business without. Uh, Google Keep. I use that for keeping track of ideas, uh, websites, if I come across something that I want to read later. Um, I use it for personal things as well uh, because it's really searchable. It's on my phone. It's on my desktop. It's on my laptop. And um, yeah, I've, since I started using that, it has made made my life so much calmer. <laughs> now, finally, how can the listeners best connect with you? What social platforms will they find you on the most? And what's your website? Uh, well, my be- website is thebabyboomerentrepreneur.com. Uh, on Facebook, it's The Baby Boomer Entrepreneur. And uh, on LinkedIn, I'm Andrea Stenberg. And so you can find me on any of the, any of those platforms. If anybody um, wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, if you send me a message and say that they heard me on this podcast, I will be sure to accept their invitation. Perfect. Well, I will be sure to get all of those links and all of the recommendations onto the show notes page. This has been such a good conversation. Andrea, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business.